We're going to be over in the book of Joshua, chapter 7, this morning. Joshua, chapter 7, there was a day of the big sale. Rumors of the sale through advertising and other means and local paper and such had gotten a lot of anticipation. People were very excited about the big sale that was going on on that day. And so they lined up outside the store and they were lined up for a long period of time. They were, they were out there for a while. And so this one small man came up from behind and he tried to work his way up to the front where the door was. Well, people began to push back at him. They weren't going to let him get up there by the door. Uh, he got up and and decided to try it again, and he went over there, and some guy actually hit him in the jaw, knocked him flat on his back. So he got up, and he said to one of the persons at the end of the line there, at the end of the spot, he says, that's it. He says, one more time, and if they don't let me through, I am not opening the store. <laughs> Sometimes we fight against the very thing that's trying to help us. We fight against the very thing that's trying to help us. We don't understand what it is that is going on in our life, what it is that God wants to do to help us. And sometimes we end up fighting against the very thing that is here to help us. We want to take a look. Last week we started on this section of it. I don't know whether to break this off into a whole other series or uh, uh, just a a little mini-series. We're always planning on ending this series on this topic But last week we looked at at Jacob and his wives. We saw how he was given the wrong wife first, and then he had the second wife that was the one he wanted, Rachel. And then as they were not having babies, they decided to give their maids, and they blamed it on God. We saw how they named their children. And we looked at all the 12 tribes of Israel, and out of the 12 tribes of Israel, only how many were significant? Three. Only three. The rest of them are really insignificant. Uh, some of them barely get a mention in the Word of God as having anything coming out of it. Benjamin almost became significant, but became disqualified for a number of reasons. So we really only had three. And we saw in the Word of God that there was actually nothing in the Word of God that said that Jacob had to have 12 kids. That was their, that was their doing. That was their doing. And we compared it over in the New Testament. Jesus had 12 disciples based upon the number of sons that Israel had. But how many of them were significant? Three. There were only three significant disciples. The rest of them you never heard about. Three. And you can name them, can't you? Peter, James, and John. What's more is the first sons of Israel were not significant. Nor were the first disciples that Jesus picked. Peter was not the first disciple, was he? No, Peter was brought along by who? Andrew, his brother. What do we ever hear about Andrew? (laughs) Well, he brought his brother. (laughs) He brought his brother. (laughs) So we know that about it. So uh, the same pattern went on there. But the reason that these wives gave their maids to uh, Israel for a wife and to have babies by them was not because of any direction from the Lord, was not to fulfill any prophecy. And it's actually against the word of God. The reason they did it was because of pressure. They gave in to pressure. And we began just using this as an introduction that there's a lot of things that we do that leaves the pattern that God wants us to follow because of pressure. We cited two things in particular. There is outward pressure and there is inward desire. Outward pressure and inward desire will cause us to leave what God has said to do. Sometimes the outward pressure, we can kind of uh, disguise it as something from God. And sometimes the inward desires that we have we put on, we put a God face on them. And we get, uh, get it to look like it's 
Okay. We're going to start here in Joshua chapter 7. Again, just to introduce something, uh, a concept, and we've already been over this before, but we want wanted you to take a look at this. This is a story you all know very well. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, and the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. It does not always occur this way, but this is one of those instances where a sin by an individual brought punishment on a group. It does not always happen that way, and just because an individual in a group brings on sin does not mean that that sin comes upon the group, but in this case, it did. The children of Israel committed a trespass against the Lord regarding the accursed things. Now, most of the people in the children of Israel had no idea this was even going on. But this one surely did. This word accursed, uh, accursed thing is the word kerem. It means accursed, accursed, doomed, dedicated. It's, um, it's in a number of places here in the scriptures. In Leviticus 21, 27 and 21, but the field, when it is released in the Jubilee, shall be holy to the Lord as a devoted field. It shall be the possession of the priest. Devoted there is the same word. Kerem. Joshua 6, verse 17. Now the city shall be doomed, that's the word, by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, sh by all means, abstain from the accursed Thing. Same word, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse. Once again, the same word, and trouble it. So it is told that if you take of the accursed things, you will trouble the camp. That's why the punishment came on the camp. Sometimes people want to teach that certain sins affect the camp. But this one, it is told. God said if you do it, it will affect the whole camp. In Joshua 22, did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed things, and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel? And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity? 1 Samuel 15, 21, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should be utterly destroyed. The word destroyed there is the same word, kerem, to sacrifice their Lord your God in Gilgal. They were, supposed, they were dedicated to the Lord. They were set aside to the Lord. You're not supposed to touch them. It's called the Lord's. And he said to them, said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed, that's the word, to utter destruction. Again, we see the same word. Therefore, your life shall go for the life and your people for his people. Hmm. Ezekiel 44, 29. They shall eat the meat offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering and every dedicated thing in Israel shall be theirs talking about the priest, that those things that were set aside were to go to the priest. Again here in Joshua, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. And now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven on the east side of Bethel and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up from there, from the people. 
But they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them before the gate as far as Shabiram, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes, fell on the earth to, on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders visual, and they put dust on their heads. Now they only sent 3,000 men down to this particular village, almost not so much a city as it is a village, but you got to know that if you've got a whole lot of men at your disposal and you can send any number that you want, you are not going to send an equal force. Would you? If you could have a basketball game and you can have as many guys as you want on the court, would you just pick five? If you're going to go up against five other guys, you could have as many as you want. You could 10, 20, 30. Would you, you could get as many as you can on there. And this is what they're going in the field of battle. They're not picking, well, you know, they got about 3,000 guys, so we just need about 3,000. No. Well, do you think they had 1,500? Probably not. Do you think that they had 1,000? If you had your druthers, and you could pick anything you want, would you outnumber the enemy three to one? Not if you can go more. How many people actually died in this battle? 36, and it said they lost to the point that they fled. If you had 1,000 guys up against 3,000 and 36 died, is that going to cause you to flee? You're looking at probably numbers in the area of 50 to 100. And 100 might be a little too liberal. So they sent a, a, a larger force than Ai had, and they lost. After beating Jericho, which is a far stronger place. Why did they lose? It's simple. It's simple, because they had taken of the accursed things. And we're going to come back to that part of the story here in just a little bit, but let's go on. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? If you remember, when Moses had his first encounter with Pharaoh and failed, in which they came, and Pharaoh came out and says, Oh, you guys have too much time on your hand. We're going to uh, not decrease the workload, but now we're not going to give you any more straw. And Moses came out of there, and he was disappointed. And he kind of questioned God on the whole thing. What's Joshua doing? He's following the same pattern, isn't he? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Now, he does not say, oh, that we had been content going back to Egypt. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He said, oh, that we just would have been content and stayed on the other side of the Jordan. Life was okay over there. We don't want to go back to Egypt. I know what God thinks about us going back to Egypt. But, oh, we had a whole land to hide the whole place to ourselves. Manna was falling from heaven. It was pretty good. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth? Then what will you do for your great name? They feel like the only reason that the land has not ganged up on them is because they fear the Lord. They've heard the stories. They saw about the Red Sea. They saw the things that were going on in the wilderness, and they're afraid. I put in your outline this. When an enemy prevails, our flesh is prone to fear. And our mind comes up with reasonings. Isn't that true? Hasn't that happened with your life? When an enemy prevails, our flesh is prone to fear and our mind comes up with reasonings. Have you ever heard a Christian brother or sister sit down and tell you some doctrine they came up with when they had a failure? Well, I just think that God, based on what? What did you base that on? <laughs> well, I just think, it just seems to me, I just reasoned out in my head, whatever it is, but there's no word. <laughs> there's no word there. 
When an enemy prevails, just like we see in the story here, our flesh is prone to fear and our mind comes up with reasonings. I also put this in your outline. This is important to note. Both block our spirit from hearing the Holy Spirit. Both block our spirit from hearing the Holy Spirit. Fear will block you from hearing the Holy Spirit. Reasonings, things that you have concocted in your mind for why this thing has gone on, why you should disobey the Lord, why you should go a different way, why you should as a wife give your handmaid to your husband. Reasonings is all they are. So the Lord said to Joshua, Oh, you poor soul. Man, I didn't know it would be this hard for you. You guys have just worked so hard. You have gone after this with everything in you, and it just hasn't worked out like it should. I feel so bad for you. Well, your Bible doesn't say that? What's it say? Get up! <laughs> Get up! Why do you lie thus on your face? Get up! Why do you lie? What are you doing down on your face? Why are you down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived. They have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed, kerem, to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. There is a wealth of information here that will help you out in your life to stop coming up with reasonings. So let me go over them a little bit by here, a little bit by a uh, little bit. First off, he says, get up. You know what he's basically telling them? <laughs> we, we were talking about it on Wednesday night. I put up on Facebook. I love that little Bob Newhart. If you didn't go up on my Facebook page and see the Bob Newhart skit that I put up, on, it's phenomenal. More Christians ought to just get that, get a hold of that concept. Stop it! <laughs> I just love that, that thing. You know, why are you doing that? Stop it. Well, he just says, get up. He's saying it this way. There, Christians have got this all messed up, and the devil does not mind you praying. He minds you praying when it will be effective. He will drive you to prayer when you should not be praying. There are times for prayer. There are times for action. What God is saying is this. Not a time for, time for prayer. This is time for action. I told you ahead of time. If you guys took of the accursed things, this is what would happen. So why are you seeking me? I already told you. You should have come to the conclusion. We lost that AI. You know what? Somebody took something of the accursed stuff. You should have figured that out on your own. What do you need me to figure it out for you for? Get up. <laughs> God sometimes is a little tough with us. And he's a little tough here with Joshua. Joshua needs to be a little tough with. Why do you lie down on your face like that? Why are you seeking after me uh, all this somber stuff, talking about how we should stay on the wilderness side? I didn't bring you over here to have a failure. I brought you over here for a reason. Verse 12, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they had become doomed to destruction. Who killed the 36 people? The men of Ai, yeah. The men of Ai killed the 36 people. Did God do it? God did not do it. Look what he says here. Neither will I be with you anymore. 
God was not with them when they went to Ai. If God was not with them when they went to Ai, how could God have killed the men? It's an important concept. We're going to show you where this is going to help you out with some things. Because we have got some reasonings in our mind and it's hindering us. They've taken to some of the accursed things. It says that they have both stolen and deceived. They have also put it among their own stuff. Now we're tying this in with, with, with the uh, giving, with money. We said last week that God has entrusted every single person with something. And we had some suggestions and all of them were good. But the one we're looking at in particular is the one that God causes, calls the least valuable. The least valuable. You know what God calls least valuable? Money. To God, that is the least valuable thing out there. He says, we're going to see how you do with this. Let's see how you do with the money. So he says, verse 13, get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. I already gave you this, but I'll give it to you again just for your outline. There are times for praying, but not when action is called for. When there's action called for, you shouldn't be praying. You should be out there doing something. That which is dedicated to God is a blessing to those who give, who give it and a curse to those who take it. That which is dedicated to God is a blessing to those who give it and a curse to those who take it. That's what it is in the word of God. Every time the son has been called Kerem, it is a blessing when people give it and it is a curse when people take it. Verse 14. In the morning, therefore, you shall, be, uh, you shall bring the tribes of Israel and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families and the family which the Lord shall take come by households and households Lord take will come by man by man then it shall be he was taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire he and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord because he has done a disgraceful thing to Israel now we can get on down here and and so forth but uh, our point here is not the whole story we're just laying this aside Achan is finally taken in this and Achan says well you know when I saw the the nice clothing and the stuff and the valuables, well, he, I just thought, man, this is a blessing from God. And I need to take some of this stuff. And uh, that wasn't such a good thing. So when Achan was taken, I want you to note this, this. I put this in your outline for you. The, the, the men, see if I can find that scripture for you. Verse 22. So Joshua sent mess, messengers to go get Achan. And they ran to the tent. They're taking this seriously. They ran to the tent. They didn't just walk there. They didn't just trot there. They ran to the tent. Verse 24, Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. They brought them to the valley of Akur. This isn't going to, probably going to go well. What do you think? Achan and his family are taken to the valley of Akur. More than likely, they were brought in on the sin because the word tells us in Deuteronomy 24, 16, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. So the fact that they are bringing them out means they were involved in it. And God knows it. 
Y'all know that your dad took that stuff. Y'all didn't say anything about it. Y'all stayed in the same tent with that stuff. You were hoping to get the profit from it. Well, we have uh, his excuse and so forth. But I wanted to go over to Psalms 115, verse 12. Psalms 115 and verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. What will he do? He will bless. The Lord has been mindful of us. Understand, God is mindful of you. How many have ever been in a situation where it seems like God has forgotten me? Mm -hmm. But God is mindful of us. Sometimes you get into situations, grab hold of a word of Scripture like this and say, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless those in the, the priest ministry. He will bless those who fear the Lord. Whether you're of Israel, whether you're of the priest ministry, if you just fear the Lord, he's going to bless you. That's what he's saying. Both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more. The King James puts it, the Lord shall give you increase more and more. I'm not up on the Hebrew. not sure which way it's better translated. Maybe you could do one or the other. But either way is good. But this is the Lord's intention. The Lord wants to bless you. May you be blessed by the Lord who, have, who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. Now understand this. He made heaven and he made the earth. It's important to know that for the next part that goes on. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's. Who they belong to? The Lord's. Are they yours? They are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. Whom does the earth belong to? Us. He's given it to you. He has given us the earth. Does that mean the trees? Does that mean the plants? Does that mean the animals? Everything on this earth is given to us. Isn't it? That's what it says. It's all been given to us. When Adam was put in the earth, the Lord said, what about the garden? Keep it. Take care of it. Basically, hey, it's yours. When Satan came to get the earth from the Lord, who did he come to? He came to man. Why? Because man has it. It's yours. Gave it to you. When, he wanted, when Jesus won it back, he had to become a man because God gave it to men. So Jesus had to become a man in order to get it. One of the three temptations that the devil did with him, look up, he took him up on a high mountain, you look out. I will give you all the kingdoms. How did he get them? He took them from men. So Jesus came as a man to take them back. And the devil is basically saying, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'll give it to you right now. You don't have to go through all this stuff. He says, I'm do not doing it that way. I'm not taking a shortcut. I'm going through it the right way. And he took them back. And through Jesus, we again have jurisdiction over the earth. The earth is ours. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. We're supposed to be praising the Lord. Always be praising the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. 
This is one of those refrigerator verses you ought to put up. Mm -hmm. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I want you to get some of this terminology down because it's important that you get it down. Tithing. How many of y'all know that the Word of God has a whole lot to say about sowing? Mm -hmm. Sowing and reaping. Get this down. This is important for you to get down because we are messing up on a whole lot of this. Uh, uh, not only are we messing up the language, we are messing up on where our belief is. Tithing is not sowing. When you tithe, you are not sowing anything. Understand this. When you tithe, it is not sowing. You can grab all the verses you want about how much blessed your sowing is. It is not. Now, there's a concept of sowing. When the Word of God talks about sowing, it's talking about something different. You sow, there is, some, there is sowing that we do in giving. But specifically, tithing is different. Why is tithing different? We're going to go through some words here and, and, and see this. But tithing, put it this way, tithing is honoring the Lord. When we tithe, we honor the Lord. Why is that? Oh, I, d I must have deleted all my scriptures out of here. We're going to have to pull them up and go through these one by one if you don't mind. Uh, pull up Deuteronomy 26. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it. Hold up right there for just a minute. The promised land is a symbol in the word of God of God's blessing on us, of walking into the blessing of God. Isn't that right? That's what the promised land is. Go on to the next verse. And you shall take some of the first fruits of the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who is the priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to your fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number. And there he became a nation great, mighty, and populous. Hold on a minute right there. You're bringing the first fruits before God. And look at what it says here. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, Whenever you bring the first fruits, whenever you bring the tithe, you should not only be bringing the tithe, you should be saying. Go on to the next verse. But the Egyptians mistreated us. This is still the things that they are saying. Afflicted us and laid hard bondage on us. Verse 7. Then we cried out to the Lord God our fathers and the Lord heard our voice and looked up on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with a great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Now stop right there for a minute. That's all what they would say 
when they would bring the first fruits before the Lord. Whenever they would bring the first fruits before the Lord, and the first fruits is a tithe. Whenever they would bring the first fruits before the Lord, they would say something along the lines of this. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Now, I want to bring you to something we do here every single Sunday and that we just did. When we have offering time, we have our worship time, and then we have our offering time, and then what do we do? We say something, don't we? When we bring our tithes, when we bring our offerings, we say something. And then after we say something, what do we then do? We worship with another song or two. Now look at it. Look at you put up here. First half of that verse is finishing up what he said. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. That is the pattern that he set up in the, for the offering. When you were to bring the, the tithe, when you're bringing the first fruits in, this is what you were supposed to do. So if you ever wonder why we do all that sort of stuff, there you go. Let's um, go on to the next verse. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you in your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. So you shall rejoice in what? Every good thing. What's another thing that we try and get you to do when you first come in here to the church? To write down a to rejoice for the good things that the Lord is trying or is doing for you. See, there's a pattern. There's a pattern. Glory to God. There's a pattern. So you shall rejoice in every good thing. So you should come in here every week because somewhere, somewhere along the week, God has done something good for you, I hope. Which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. Verse 12. When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, they may eat within the gates of your field. So he talks about here a third tithe. In the Old Testament, they had three tithes that they brought. The first part was the first fruits. There was a, a percentage of, the, uh, of what they had gained. And the second tithe was this one. It happened in the third year. You would bring a tithe, which was on the third year. You would bring a certain amount, and this was to go for the poor in the land. And then on the, the third tithe was a tithe that involved basically setting money aside for your yearly pilgrimages to Jerusalem. So there are three different tithes that were involved there. Go on to verse 13. I want you to see this. I'll go back to verse 12. I don't think I finished that, did I? When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, and they may eat within your gates and be filled. That's the specific ones they're, they're talking about for this tithe. Verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. I have what? I have removed the holy tithe from my house. What he is saying is this. The tithe belongs to God. It is one of those accursed things. If you give it, it brings great blessing. If you keep it, it brings great trouble. Understand? That's why we stopped over in Josh, Joshua first. I have removed the holy tithes from my house and also, also given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, according to all your commandments, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Verse 14. 
I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it from an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Again, we're saying, verse 15, Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore to your fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So, what he's saying is this. We've taken that part that is accursed and have given it to you. Now, this is why the tithe is not sowing. We can sow in an offering, but a tithe is not the part of the sowing. You can sow your money, but the tithe is not sowing. Because, here's the concept, you cannot sow what is not yours. This is where a lot of Christians get into trouble, is that they sow as an offering what should be the tithe and it's not working for them because this is how God sets it up. He has blessed you and out of that you say, Father God, you have given me, you have put in my hands this money. For some of us it's a smaller amount, for some it's a medium amount, for some it's a large amount. Whatever amount it is, doesn't matter. He ha we have a certain amount and we say, God, you have given me this amount, you have given me this increase. And I am going to take this part, this 10th part, and I'm going to bring it back to you because in your word, you say that is yours. You have given it all to me, but to see how trustworthy I am, you have trusted me with what do you call the least valuable thing, which is unrighteous mammon or money. And so I bring that part that is yours, that you have given to me back to you to show my trustworthiness. That's what, he, that's what you're doing. I am showing you that I am trustworthy. Here is this part. Now, we went over outward pressure, inward desires last time because the thing that keeps us from bringing that part back to him is we have outward pressure. How many know what electric bill is? Mortgage bill. Food bill. Car payment. There you go. Gas pump. Credit card. All these things are what? Outward pressure. Trying to, and, and sometimes it looks like, oh, I don't know if I can do the tithe today because I have this and I have that and I have this and I have that. And you feel the outward pressure. Then there's also the inward desire. Say we get to a place where, all right, I can do it. The outward pressure is not keeping me from that. But you know what? Mm, I've been wanting that thing. And if I don't tithe this month, I could get it. Inward desires, outward pressure. These are the things that try and come against us to keep us from doing what God can do. We love all the verses that talk about sowing and reaping. We love all the blessings that come upon sowing. But if the enemy can keep you from tithing, he prevents you from sowing. In order for you to not tithe, you have to keep back what is God's. It's tremendous blessing in releasing to God what is his. There's a different blessing on the tithe than there is on the offering. Understand what the blessing is and take that. We'll spend more time on it. Now, here's the problem that a lot of Christians have. I put this in your outline because I wanted you to remember this. If I fail in the principle, if I fail in this principle of the tithe, does that mean that God will take from me? There are some people who talk about tithing this way. Not everybody who uses this terminology means it this way, but it can be taken as such. 
How many have ever heard the phraseology, I need to go and pay my tithes? Sometimes it almost sounds like for some Christians, not saying that anybody who said that here recently or anytime is meaning that, but sometimes we can get the mentality that we're paying God off. It's like the mob guy who comes at this, the grocery store. You need to buy insurance for me. I don't need any insurance. I have insurance. No, you need to buy insurance for me. I make sure that nothing bad happens to you. As long as you're paying me, nothing bad will happen to you. Ever seen those movies or the TV shows and they got the guy who shows up and they rough him up and you know, you will pay me. And nothing bad will happen to you. I mean, nothing bad was happening to me before. It's going <laughs> to. And, and sometimes we get the idea that I'm paying my tithes to keep the bad guy away from me. That's sometimes the view that people have of God. That's why we took you over to Ai. Who killed the men of Israel? Ai. It wasn't God. God does not kill you. God does not take away. He does not sneak into your house and break your dishwasher. Cause your laundry to overflow because you're not tithing. He doesn't do that. That's not God. The Word of God tells us in the New Testament that if you being evil, speaking of my fathers, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Now, last week I neglected to put the Father's Day picture on the front bulletin. So I put it on this one just to remind us on this, this concept. God is a father. And God loves us with the love of a father. Now, how many fathers or mothers are out there whose son or daughter misuses their money? Sneaks out of the house, goes over to their car and slashes their tires. Puts sand in their gas tank. Disconnects some of the wires in their engine. Would you think of even doing that? And yet, how is it that we imagine that God can? Well, this broke down in my house probably because I didn't pay my tithes last month. There's a mentality that we get. It's a mentality that comes on. No, that's not it. That's not God's mentality. God's mentality is not to come into your place and mess with you. How many of you, if your children misuse their money, still... Want them to get a raise. <laughs> you want good things for your kids. How much more? If you being evil, how much more would God? When calamity falls upon people who are not giving their tithes, it does not come from God. In the word of God, when it talks about tithes, it says that if you will bring the first fruits in their season, I will keep the different worms. I will keep the rains. I will do so forth and, and, and such because, you know, the enemy wants to come and sow bad seed. The enemy wants to come and send locusts. The enemy wants to come and, and have different things. And the enemy wants to come and steal. And God says, if you come and bring me the first fruits, you are opening the door for me to come in and to preserve what you have. That's the God we serve. Don't get the picture that you're paying God off like a mob guy. Because you're not. God is never going to work against you. God is never going to bring calamity on you. The enemy is the one who does it. God loves you. God loves you with a greater love than we are capable of loving. And we wouldn't even think of doing some of the things that people have attributed to God. That's not what he does. Now, 
going to jump ahead a little bit and talk a little bit about sewing, just um, just because I want you to get this concept down. If you were a farmer and you went out in your field and you sowed a crop of corn, how many of you know your work is done? Glory to God, we just became rich. I just sowed a whole crop of corn. Now you haven't become rich yet, have you? No, the, the seed has to be watered. It, it needs, to, needs to grow. You need to go out there and watch it, make sure the enemies don't come and, and hurt it. You need to guard that field. And, um, and then at the end, when the harvest is there, what do you need to do then? You need to go out there and get it. You need to go out there and get that harvest. You need to go reap it in. And that's not easy, is it? It takes work. Sometimes we get the idea, as far as Christians are concerned, that once we sow an offering, that God takes care of the harvest. That God reaps it in. And he does not. We're going to be looking at the Word of God, what it teaches us on that. Because many people have missed their harvest because they don't know how to reap. It is the same person who sows is the same one who's supposed to reap. Every example that sowing is used in the Word of God The same person who sows is the one who has the right to reap and the one who should and the one who should benefit from it. But if you don't know how to reap, then your harvest can go right now. We got a whole lot. The Word of God has a lot to say on this. If you have sown in the past and have never harvested anything, don't miss these next couple of weeks because we're going to show you what you need to do to make sure that that you don't miss up on this because God wants you to have it. Now, how many, uh, how many have ever gone into the, the thinking that if you work more than 40 hours a week, you could be a workaholic? You know, people who uh, stay late at work every day, people who work Saturdays, these are workaholics, aren't they? But if we go back into the Bible and we look at the Bible, it says, the Bible does not say five days thou shalt labor, does it? What's the Bible say? Six days. Six days. Where did five days come from? From the pit of hell. No, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> it didn't come from the Bible. The Bible says six days. In Bible times, most people had fields, had herds, had stuff like that. And those fields and herds did not take Saturday and Sunday off. They were working those fields all the time. They, they worked six days, at least six days. A week. They worked from sunup to sundown, and no one paid them overtime. They worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And did God say anything about that? Did God say, you know what, take it easy. Working too hard. No? Now think of it this way. If you were having a hard time bringing your tithes before God, and you work five days a week, I got an easy solution for you. Work day number six. And take that money and use it for your tithes. You just opened up the, the, the thing for God. That's just one way you can do it. There's all kinds of ways that you can do it. But, uh, you know, in and, and, and this church, I tell people from other places, you know, that I don't, I, don't, I don't know how much you make. I don't know how much you give. But I can, I can tell from the offering that our percentage of people in the church here who tithe is high. Far higher than the norm in America far higher than what the norm is in America. 
And we have guest speaker come on by and they say, well, I, you know, I think that about this percentage of people tithe and their jaw drops. Really? That many people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, that's not normal. So you're not a normal congregation, but we already knew that. <laughs> we already knew that. You are an above normal congregation. And we're, we thank God for it all, all the time. But as we were telling you, Brother Joe com- constantly commented about how late you all would stay after the service was over. Man, these people, they like each other. <laughs> it's like a family in here. Yeah, it's like a family. It's good. Yeah, they like each other. They hang out. And uh, we would tell them, you know, uh, they'll hang out even longer. We even told them. We had them all prepped up, ready to go. We said, look, on one of these nights, we're going to go out to eat, and people are going to come with us. And you're going to be surprised at how many people come with us to the restaurant to sit down and to eat. And so he was all ready for it. And then, of course, the rug got pulled out and had to go out a day earlier. So we didn't quite, uh, quite get that. But you need to understand that when you bring in the tithe, you open up certain things for God to do for you. But it's not automatic. The reason we brought up the sowing part is that reaping is not automatic. Neither is the promises that come from God when you tithe. Just because you tithe, it does not put a sign up on your lawn that says, anyone you can't come near here, he is going to try. When he does, you simply say, I'm a tither. And that opens up God to do these things for me. And you speak those things to it. If you are in job and they're talking about layoffs, you can simply say, I'm a tither. And God has given me favor with the people I work for. When they're saying that no one's going to get any raises, you can say, I'm a tither. We've had people who've gotten up here in church, giving testimonies. I got a raise. No one else in the company got a raise. I got a raise. No one was supposed to get bonus. I got bonus. People were supposed to get laid off. I didn't get laid off. And even if you get laid off, it's all right. Just go before God and say, Father God, I'm a tither. That opens up you to do all kinds of stuff for me. So because the door is open for me, you're going to get me a job that's better. And this needs to be, you need to understand that when you tithe, you open up God to do these things. Now, going back to AI again. AI sends 3,000 against the force. I'm, I'm guessing, this is just my personal guess, of 50 to 100 people. They send this overwhelming force to AI and they lose. They lose. Now, we're, gonna, we're not going to get into this week. I'm going to give you a scripture next week that will really help you out. How many have ever said, all right, well, I'm going to tithe, but I need to get some things straightened up. <laughs> I need, as soon as I get this thing paid off, as soon as I get these things, I'm going to tithe. It'll never happen. And there's a reason for it. There's a scripture for it. We'll get into it next week. We're not going to get into it over, over here, but it'll be, be coming up here next week. We're going we're gonna to look into that. Just, just go back to the Bible and see what it has to say. The devil wants to keep you from it because as long as he can keep you from it, he's not bringing a curse from God on you where God is working against you. He is keeping you in a place where you can't use the forces of God to fight against what he is doing to your finances. That's all. That's all there is to it. He wants to, he wants to keep you out of that. So when you tithe and trouble comes to your finances, you can simply say, I'm a tither. 3,000, an overwhelming force could not beat back the small force of AI. 
And as long as you keep the accursed things in your possession, no matter how much money you make, you will not defeat your bills because you are keeping the accursed thing in your possession. Yeah, but I got people at work and they're not even Christians and they don't tithe and they still, well, they're not keeping the accursed thing because they aren't a believer. Their whole life is accursed. But God has something for you. He says, you can unlock this. I've got all this power I want to work on your behalf. All this stuff I want to do for you. All this help that I want to bring to you. You've got to open up. You've got to make a way. If you've got businesses, God wants to increase them. He wants to bring people to your path. He wants to make people happy to spend money with you. He wants to do that. He wants to make bosses happy to give you more hours, to give you a raise. And that means you can do, put the principles in the work to go out there and to reap. Because reaping does not happen when you sit inside. You've got to get out in the field. You've got to do some things. And there's some stuff that you have to do. You've got to put it to work. Businesses don't just increase. People don't just knock on your door saying, do you sell something? I just had this overwhelming urge to buy something from you. Do you sell anything? That, no, nah, it's not going to happen that way. But he will continue to bless you. He will continue to bless you and help, help you out. And people will say, oh, I, I just want to help you. I just want to do some things for, for you. What can we do? And people will, you're going to talk to some people. Oh, I can't use that, but I can, I'm going to talk to some people who can. I'm going to find some people who can use that. Yeah, God will do it. And when you go out, go out, expect God to do good things. Don't expect God to do, take away stuff. Don't expect bad things to happen. Expect good things. Just expect it. If something goes away, God's going to replace it. Glory to God. God, I am opening up the door for you to replace that with something even better than what was there before. And just keep out of your mouth. You just keep speaking these things. Don't set a wrong direction. Don't set a direction. Say, well, it's done now. I don't know what's going to happen now. Now it's not going to work. No, it's going to work. Just keep setting that direction. Keep speaking that thing. You know, you know, my wife and I, we make bunk beds. I talk about bunk beds all over the place. When I run into somebody, I find a way to work conversation around bunk. I find a conversation around two things, bunk beds and church. I always work the conversation around those things. I talk to them about where they go to church. I talk to them about what they do with God. I talk to them about bunk beds or need for bunk beds. I, was, uh, I, don't, know if that I, I don't know if I told you this story last week, but last, um, last Saturday, walked into a place, found this place on the internet. It's right near my house. Went on over there to, uh, uh, to get something from them. And in the course of things, we're talking about it. So I make bunk beds. You, you make bunk beds? Do you deliver and set them up? I always do. As long as people want me to, I deliver and set them up. Yeah. Do you go to the shore? Oh, I'll go to the shore all the time. And you set them up? Yeah, I set them up. Oh, you're, it's sold. I can never find anybody to set these things up. I need some, but I need somebody to, to set them up. He said, I need one in my house here because my grandkids come over and I have a shore house. I need something down over there. Then can you get me a card? Yeah, I went out to the truck to get her a card. Came on back in. And in the course of time that I was out getting the card, and came on back in. She had called her daughter. My daughter wants one too. She's so excited. She can't wait to, to go up on the website and take a look around and, and find some things. And why? Because I expect good things to happen. I expect things to be, to be blessed. Expect it. God wants you to be blessed. Brandon's story, he told a great story. It's the hand of God. Bring 
the tithe before God. There's a trust factor that's in there. It's real hard to figure out how can a smaller amount of money go further. We've had people give testimony after testimony after testimony. We were in debt. We were having problems. We weren't making our bills made. We finally made a decision. We're just going to tithe. And wow, suddenly <laughs> it was working. Suddenly they were getting ahead on things. Why? It's not because God's not fighting against you anymore. It's because now can, God can take all his power and work for you. But just because his power is turned on to work for you doesn't mean it automatically happens any more than the corn finds its way into the barn. It doesn't happen. Wouldn't that be nice? You plant the corn and the corn says, oh, we're ripe now. Let's pick ourselves and walk into the barn. It doesn't happen that way. Christians who want the harvest to come that way, it doesn't come that way. But God will bring the harvest. There's another there's a verse in Scripture. We're going to get into this. A lot of people don't get their, don't reap from what they sowed for a reason that'll blow you out of the water. It'll blow you out of the water when you hear it. I'm not going to get into it now. Just it's coming. Probably next week we're going to get into that. We want you to, want you to see it. So you got to come back. <laughs> got to come back on it next week. Now, this particular sin had an effect on Israel where they couldn't, the whole group of them couldn't stand, not just Achan. Not all sins are this way. Remember, David won battles even though he was in the midst of the sin with Bathsheba. Samson operated under the anointing of his calling even though he was in sin. Not all sin has that power, but this one does. When you take of the accursed thing, it does something, and God says that you shut the power off on what I can do for you. Now the, the worms and the bowls and the whatever else, all those critters, they come on in, they destroy your crops, they take your stuff, and I can't get in there and fight for you. But if you do this and you tithe, I can, I can come in there and I can make a little bit go further. How many stories did we look at where an insufficient source was used? How many people were fed with the loaves and the fishes? 4,000 one time, 5,000 another, and that's just the men. How many containers were filled with a little bit of oil that the woman had? Every bit that she was able to get a hold of. How long was Elijah and the woman and her son fed with the oil and a little bit of meal? Until rain fell upon the earth. How long did Israel receive manna in the wilderness? 40 years until the day they crossed over the Jordan and could harvest it from the land. And it was shut off. Glory to God. God wants to use what you have. And the enemy wants to keep that from happening. So he constantly puts things in your way to keep you from walking into it. Don't let him do it. Don't let them do it. Don't get, get rid of that mentality that says, well, God wants to do nasty things to me. No, he doesn't. Well, if I don't tithe, then God is going to strike me down. No. The only time I found people in the word of God struck down by God is when they came against someone in God's family. I put this in your outline too. We cannot stand before our enemies while stealing what belongs to God. We cannot stand before our enemies while stealing what belongs to God. Don't, don't steal from God. You don't need to. 
You don't need to. God will work on your behalf. God will increase you. God will do some things to help you out. If you are facing a change in your situation, always keep your focus. We, I, whoever, am a tither. I tithe, I give to God what is His. Out of what I have, that is His. I don't use it, I don't touch it. It is His. I bring that before God. Therefore, God can and will work on my behalf. And then you call those things out. Father God, there's a better job out if I'm losing my job I have right now. Father God, there's a raise, even if they're saying there is no raise for everybody else in the company. There's more hours if I need more hours. If you want a second job, there's a second job. Yeah, but they're not hiring anyone else. Right. Doesn't matter. I'm a tither. I give my tithes, I bring my tithes before the Lord. God honors that. He, I have shown that I can be trustworthy. And God, we're going to look at the scriptures of what the blessings are for the tithe. We're going to look at the scriptures of what the blessings are for the offering. We're going to look at these scriptures and you need to know what the blessing is for each. When we mix it all up, we get into problems. Your car takes a, a number of different fluids. It takes gasoline. It takes oil. It takes windshield wiper, wiper fluid. It takes brake fluid. It takes transmission fluid. It takes power steering fluid. I may have left some off. Does it matter where you put the fluid? If you need power steering fluid, does it matter if you put that in the gas tank? Does it matter if you put gas in the oil? Does it matter if you take antifreeze and put it where the brake fluid should be? There's a reason they call it brake fluid. It belongs on the brakes. Transmission fluid belongs in the transmission. We all got different parts. They all have places that need to be. And we understand each one has a different function. And you cannot take one fluid and have it do something in another. It won't do the same thing. There's a purpose for it. And God has set out a tithe, and he set up offerings. And there's a blessing for each one. But all the verses that are on offerings don't come into play until you first stop stealing from God and bring the tithe. And then after that, there's a blessing on the offering. Now you can go and you can talk about, oh, but you don't know what my finances are like. No, I don't. I don't. But I know what my God is like. And I know what he'll do. People all the time, they want to come and they want to say, oh, but I need help financially here. Do you tithe? I haven't been able to do that yet. Then you're asking people to come in and to help you when you have closed the door on God being able to help you. You're putting people in a really tough situation. Now some people will come along and they'll help you when they can. Certainly they do. But you can't keep going in that direction. You're cutting yourself. You're hurting yourself. God doesn't do it because he wants your money. He does it because he wants you to open it. He wants to open up the storehouses, a blessing to you. Remember we used that example of the woman who brought the two mites? She brought all she had. Little tiny, little, small, insignificant offering. And Jesus sat back there and watched and counted. See that one? She put in two mites. I counted them. There was two. They were just mites. But she put in two of them. She put in more than all the rest of them. And he didn't run over there and give her two mites back. 
He said, no, that was good. You need to give it. The poor in this world need to give. The poor in this world need to give, just like the rich need to give. But we got a mentality that's been brewing in this country the last number of years, that the poor shouldn't give anything and the rich should give more than their fair share. All happens around taxes, but it's a mentality that's trying to get into people. No. If you make $2 an hour, tithe it. Make $5 an hour, tithe it. Make $10 an hour, tithe it. If you do, you open this, the blessings of God. And I'm not telling you that you cannot get ahead in this world financially without tithing. I'm just telling you it's easier. It is easier. It is easier to get ahead when God is on your side. It's easier to get ahead when God is fighting for you. And then if things happen, if the enemy tries to come and steal what is yours, you simply say, I'm a tither. That's what the word of God says about people who tithe. It said the Lord will rebuke the devourer. It does not say he's a devourer. The word of God says that the Lord will rebuke the devourer. I mean, it's one thing when you get out there and you rebuke the devourer. It's another thing when the Lord comes in there and says, hey, Get back. You, get, you can't be here. That's different. <laughs> and that's, what, that's what's available to you. That's what's there for you. We want God to work with what we have. We've got to give him the opportunity. There's a part on here. There's a trust factor. I know it's a trust factor. We, we went through it before. I settled it though a long, long time ago. My wife and I got married. She had already settled in her life too. We got together and we had no trouble with the decision to tithe. Doesn't mean it was always easy. But we, we did the decision to tithe. We got to a place where we said, you know what, we want to make this much. Let's tithe off of that much. Now we're actually, actually giving some of the offering, but we set that as a goal. Don't fall into the problem that Aiken did and look at all the stuff and say, oh, if I just keep this, don't. It'll hurt you. You won't be able to stand before your enemies. It's not God that will come against you. It is the enemy. It is not God. When you bring the tithe, you are then set for God to say, I, got an, I need somebody to give an offering. Will you give it? The reward, the return on an offering is far greater than that which you don't tithe. And it's a good reward in the tithe. <laughs> It's good, but the offering is far greater. We're going to get into some of those things the Word of God has to say for us. Would you stand up? If you brought your praise reports in, make sure you get them over to our ushers. We want to read them here at the end. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to understand what your Word says about tithing, to understand what your Word says about offerings, about alms, that how we can be those who bring the tithe and sow our finances. And Father, you are going to open up all kinds of blessings for us. I thank you for it. Thank you that you help us to see some areas that maybe have been a hindrance in the past. You help us overcome those. We just thank you for the help that you give us on this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to be looking at some principles of sowing. We're going to be looking at the principles of reaping, bringing in a harvest. But if you want to increase, one of the first principles of increase is this. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord.
If you want to increase, honor the Lord. It's the first thing you got to do. And that's what he says. When you bring the tithe, you honor the Lord. What does it mean if you don't bring the tithe? We're not honoring the Lord. We want to be in a place of, of increase. We want to honor the Lord. Let's hear what it is that God has been doing this week and some of the praise reports that we have going on. If you got any more, bring them on. You can keep bringing them on. It'll take us a little while to read all these. He says, Joe McGee's teachings on teens has been a great blessing. I'm learning that we have many things fairly well and some things we and I still have to change. Mostly I'm starting to listen to God more. Amen. Without him, we can't, <laughs> can't raise our kids well. Um, Vanessa says, my father came home from rehab on Friday. Praise God. Amen. Um, we all know Daryl got a new job in the, in the uh, post office. He said, God has placed me in the right place postal location for me in spite of where I would have chosen to place myself. Hmm. Ethel says she's glad for the word that I have heard, read, and know. It helped me to continue on through a very challenging week. I've heard that several times today. Um, there were times during the week that all I could do was quote the word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Praise God. That changes things. Um, Peter says, I was having trouble finding a consistent summer job, but continue to believe on God, and I'm now working full-time, making more money than expected. Okay. Amen. Ooh, increase, increase. Nas says, thank God for the extra overtime on my job. <laughs> says, I wrote this before, as soon as I came in before Pastor Steve spoke it. <laughs> Good job, Nas. Um, and this one was for me. Um, I had been praying uh, for God to... Um, just increased me in my, my worship. And while I was working in the shop this week, the Holy Spirit gave me several different psalms that I was able to sing to the Lord and had an awesome time of worship with him. <laughs> One more. Oh, praise God. I just got an answer today in service. I'm expecting increase to my obedience. Amen. Mm -hmm. 